Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast from Radio MD or iHeart or wherever you downloaded us from. Thanks very much for doing that. Our guest today is Jonathan Reisman, MD. And by the way, before I get to talk and introduce Jonathan Reisman and his book, The Unseen Body, I want to tell you, two weeks ago, we had an outstanding guest um, talking about bereavement and what the four words are you never say. You'll want to listen to Jim Graham, 1078B. 1079B was was the third time guest for us. Um, He comes on every year. Jonathan Deutsch, who's a professor and director of the Drexel Food Corps Lab, who um, talked to us about the current food trends, and he runs the Food Trends Spotter panel. Today's guest is on 1080B, is Jonathan Reisman, who's an internist and a pediatrician, um, it sounds like he trained in both, who has uh, practiced medicine in some of the world's most remote areas. Um, the unseen body is really something I didn't expect. That is, when I started to pick up the book, um, I expected to see pictures of the human body and a lot of figures, but that isn't what we got into in the book. And it's a really interesting uh, book in that way as it talks about um, everything from uh, feces to skin and a lot about um, what your body is about. Um, Jonathan, uh, thank you very much for coming on. You now live, I think, in Philadelphia. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And thanks for having me on. And the website, by the way, to learn more about Jonathan is his name, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, Reisman, R-E-I-S-M-A-N.com, JonathanReisman.com. So how did you happen to settle in Philadelphia, or are you from Philadelphia? In other words, you've been around the world, and this book is such an interesting book relating to that, and we'll come back to the wonders of anatomy in a second. Tell me how you got to Philadelphia. Sure. Well, I, I'm from northern New Jersey originally. And as you said, I've traveled quite a bit around the world, as has my wife. We've both been uh, lovers of travel before we met and then, you know, together since, since we've been together and married. Um, my medical c- career has been shaped by my interest in working in remote and interesting places with interesting geographic and cultural context. So, as you mentioned, I worked in Northern Alaska, among the Anupid Eskimo. I worked on an Indian reservation in South Dakota on Pine Ridge. I've worked in rural Appalachia, and I've always sought out new and interesting places to practice. But since being married, and especially since having kids, I've had to curtail that a little bit. So I basically moved to where my wife, uh, my wife's job has taken us. She's a professor in bioethics at the University of Pennsylvania. And so here we are in Philadelphia. Let's go and talk about skin because I didn't expect in a book about the hidden part of the body to learn so much about skin. So you talked about staphylococcal scalded skin syndrome, 
which I, I learned a four S, 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 which I had never heard before. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So yes, the skin is, you know, an external organ, not an internal organ, like most of the, the ones people usually think about when you talk about the body's organs. But uh, when I was a medical student and since training and my career, I found that skin is a, a portal, a, a way of seeing into the body without uh, actually needing any imaging. You know, the skin is an important way that we get messages from the internal organs based on color, based on rashes. We often are uh, kind of divining what's going on inside the body based on messages sent to us through the skin or even when diagnosing strokes. You know, when I diagnose a stroke, I touch the patient's skin to see where areas of numbness are and are not. And that can tell me about what's going on unseen in their brain um, and, and helps to, to diagnose strokes. But as you mentioned, the, the staphylococcal scalded skin syndrome is uh, one of the conditions that affects the skin primarily. And what I learned about the skin, actually, before I went to medical school, I learned about how to turn animal hides into leather and buckskin. And that was one of my quite unusual, I, I guess, hobbies before I ever went to medical school. And a big part of that understanding how skin is structured from the perspective of a tanner is uh, to understand the layers of skin. You know, the, a common person might just think skin is one layer that envelops our body, but actually there's many, many layers within it. It can be broken down into up to six or more layers when you really break it down to understand every layer. And so understanding those layers from the perspective of a tanner, I carried that understanding into my career as a physician. And sometimes understanding layers can help you diagnose conditions like staphylococcal scalded skin syndrome. So when I was working in Arctic Alaska, I had a child who came in with their skin sloughing off. And my task at that point was, determined, was to determine if it was uh, a more deadly condition that can make skin sloughed specifically a condition called Stevens-Johnson syndrome versus a, a less life-threatening condition such as staphylococcal scalded skin syndrome. And that required of me basically reading the patient's layers of skin, reading the layers, figuring out which layer was peeling between which layers was uh, the, the kind of glue that holds the skin together was sort of malfunctioning. And I found that, uh, you know, my knowledge of being a, a hide tanner, understanding layers of skin actually was useful in that case as well. And it turned out that child did have staphylococcal scalded skin syndrome and did not need to be medevaced. Tell me about the um, hide tanning. Um, what's the process of that? I didn't read about that, but tell me about that. Sure. So, so um, you know, there's, there's many ways that different cultures throughout history and throughout the world have, have tanned animal hides. Each is a different way of basically taking an animal's skin and sort of adapting it onto our own, making it another layer on top of our own natural biological skin. You know, it's, we call it clothing, but it's basically taking a biologic product, adding layers to our own body to protect us even further from the external world, from the elements and from things that would otherwise hurt us. But like many things, um, hide tanning basically involves scraping off the outer layer and the inner layer, and then you're left with the dermis, which is just uh, crisscrossing collagen fibers that can be softened using a variety of things. One way of doing that is with brain, actually. Brain tanning was the most common way that hides were tanned in Native America, and in colonial times as well, colonial America, the traditional dress was usually brain tanned deer hides. 
Um, and this, the same process actually occurs when you make cat gut out of uh, animal gut. For instance, the way they used to string tennis rackets and musical instruments, the, the lining of the intestine can be uh, processed the same way. You scrape out the inner lining, you scrape out the outer lining, and you're left with strong fibrous material with a million and one uses in daily life to humans. And both of those are ways that we've adapted kind of uh, animal anatomy to our own purposes. Now, how did that, and, and this is in, uh, I guess, the middle of your book, how did, how did you use that to understand the different layers of human skin and the difference between Stevens-Johnson syndrome and the, uh, um, the 4S syndrome? Right. So, well, in Stevens-Johnson syndrome, the, the layer of the skin that's peeling off is the entire epidermis. And so when the epidermis is peeled off or sloughed off, what you're looking at is the dermis itself. Unlike, and that's actually why it so, can be life-threatening because you're losing your, the entire superficial layer of skin that protects your body. In staphylococcal scalded skin syndrome, actually just sub-layers within the epidermis are what's peeling off from one another. So when the layer that you're looking at that's left is just a, a deeper layer of epidermis, it's not the dermis itself. Um, and so there, there's kind of some subtle differences that you can tell just by looking at it. But when you're scraping an animal hide to tan it, you're sort of um, also looking very closely and picking up on subtle observations that tell you what layer of skin you're at. So to make sure that you've scraped all the way down to the dermis, otherwise the, the hide will never turn out soft. This is just an example of ways in which some of my interesting hobbies and passions that I carried with from before medical school kind of helped inform my perspective as, as a physician. Now, you also talk a lot about fingers and toes. I should say one of the first things uh, we learn in, at least we learned in medical school, was to look at the fingernails. Talk to us a little bit about that. Right. So uh, the fingers and toes are kind of, you know, the most, uh, the kind of the opposite of an internal organ. Our internal organs are in our core, in our torso. The fingers and toes are kind of the most distal, the most distant geography of the body. Uh, and in that way, uh, they are kind of uniquely positioned to offer clues also about what's going on inside. Just like skin can offer clues about what's going on inside the body. When you train to become a doctor, as you know, you learn to read clues uh, from outside the body to divine what's going on inside. And the fingernails, as you mentioned, are just another example. They can tell you about nutrient deficiencies. They can tell you about autoimmune diseases. Um, in my, in the chapter on fingers and toes in my book, I highlight my experience living in Russia where I ex experienced some of the coldest temperatures that I've experienced. And as anyone who's been in the cold knows, your fingers and toes are kind of the most prominent body part that tends to get cold, start to bother you. And in severe colds are at most risk of frostbite because they stick out so far from the torso. Uh, they are at risk of becoming cold and, and really at risk of frostbite, especially the way they're shaped. You know, they have a very high surface area uh, compared to their mass, and so therefore they lose a lot of heat to the outside world. And so being in the cold does put them at risk. Um, but kind of in the chapter, I go into how I learned how to stay warm in Russia, including how to keep my fingers and toes warm. And uh, that has a lot to do with getting the heat from your core to radiate out into your fingers and toes. 
um, which is a which is very important. And I, I did return from Russia with all 10 of my fingers and toes, I'm happy to say. Oh, I'm just reminded I didn't talk about our sponsor. At the beginning, our sponsor is Life's First Naturals, which makes uh, bovine colostrum tablets as well as true biotics. Uh, Life's First Naturals. Um, these products do help your gut. And in the book, uh, I was reminded of that because there's information on your poop or feces, as it's called in medical terms, as well as mucus. And I don't think I've ever seen a chapter entitled mucus before. Um, so um, there's so many unusual parts to the book, The Un. Seen Body by Jonathan Reisman, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-R-E-I-S-M-A-N.com is the website address um, for Jonathan. So Jonathan, how did you happen to decide what you were going to discuss in the book, such as uh, urine and mucus, um, which are really very interesting, only from the standpoint, I, I think, not only from the standpoint that they help with diagnoses, but they're not usually covered in, in anatomy or in medical textbooks for the lay audience. Right. Well, I, I wanted to um, really bring my audience and my readers, I really wanted to bring them into the inner workings of the world of healthcare. You know, when I started medical school through my training, et cetera, you know, you get really very familiar with all the gross and gory aspects of the human body. And I, I don't think there's really any other way to understand the human body, but to delve deeply into all those topics. Um, and as a medical student, you, you really become surprisingly familiar with these substances. You know, I learned to bring up feces with my patients, you know, asking them the most intimate details of, of uh, what they're excreting you know, color, smell, does it float? Is there blood in it? How many times per day? I mean, some of the most intimate questions with complete strangers, and that becomes completely normal. That comes becomes completely typical part of the day of working in healthcare. And so I wanted to really pull back the curtain for my readers as it was pulled back for me through my training to show them kind of the more interesting sides of some of these things that people would normally think are gross. In the case of mucus, I would say even healthcare providers think that it's among the grossest things the human body has to offer. Some of my non-medical relatives often ask me, you know, aren't you grossed out by the, seeing blood in the emergency room where I work? And I say, no, I'm not grossed out by blood. I'm personally not grossed out by mucus either, but I think most nurses and doctors are actually do find that mucus is the most repulsive of all, all the bodily fluids. So I wanted to show that there's a kind of an interesting and a deeper side to all these products that are uh, that our our bodies have to offer. So what do you find in in the unseen body? You go through all of these in a very uh, what I would call um, quick and enticing way. Um, what do you find the most uh, interesting of all the? the parts of the body or the unseen areas? Well, I would say that, um, you know, as I detail in the book, each has their own kind of interesting aspects that I think uh, the lay person would, would never have thought of or never have experienced. 
I do have to say my favorite bodily fluid of all is urine, which I go to, go into into the book in, in the book. Most people probably don't have a favorite bodily fluid, but I offer urine as an interesting case um, where it's both both very useful to a clinician such as me. You know, it tells me a wealth of information about what's going on inside my patients, specifically about the urinary tracts through which urine flows from kidney to ureter to bladder to urethra and then out into the external world. It gives a wealth of information about diseases in that part of the body, but also it tells you about systemic problems. It tells you about organs seemingly completely unrelated to the kidneys. You know, when we can diagnose diabetes by analyzing someone's urine. And in a way, that's telling us about a failing of the pancreas, which is an organ seemingly unrelated. You can really divine a tremendous amount of information from the urine. But when I was working as a doctor, I found it kind of... And I should say, I I should interrupt there just to... It's not just a failing of the pancreas. It's a failing of our response to insulin due to either... Um, food that we've eaten, fat that we've eaten, our responsiveness to it, our time cycles. There are a lot of, uh, we shouldn't We shouldn't just uh, say that diabetes relates to the pancreas since it relates to much more than that. And I just want to make sure people understand True. that. But yes, anyway. Correct. Type 2 diabetes is a bit more complicated. Go ahead. Right? Keep going. Well, sure. In that way, urine does tell us about kind of the overall metabolic milieu of the body and in many ways, not only about diabetes, but other conditions. But another reason I like urine best of all is because I, when I work in the emergency room, whenever a patient comes in, I'm asking them about how much urine they are producing recently, whether it's a baby and I'm asking their parents about how many wet diapers they've been producing or an adult, I'm asking um, about their urine output. It's kind of a marker of disease. The less urine that's coming out, perhaps the more severe the condition, the more severely dehydrated the patient is. And really that reflects the kidneys kind of holding in the fluids and the salts of the body. Especially in illness, the kidneys work overtime to keep our blood surging and keep all the salts at at just the right levels, keeping our, our blood high in sodium and chloride, low in potassium, which is basically the same proportions of salt that you find in seawater. So in a way, you know, human ancestors evolved in the ocean, and the only way we were able to crawl up onto land and evolve into land-dwelling creatures is because our kidneys help carry a bit of the ocean inside of us, keeping the ocean inside of us. And this is especially apparent in illness when the kidneys are working over time, as I said. And I really kind of like that added perspective to urine. Well, I love the comment by Warren Zapel on the back cover, who's a friend, And he says, uh, and I'm quoting just a little bit of what he says, I highly recommend this book to everyone interested in understanding and appreciating the marvels of the human body. Um, And that's somewhat how I feel after reading it as well. We've been talking with Jonathan Reisman, um, a physician, and it's a doctor's journey through the hidden wonders of human anatomy. It's The Unseen Body. The website is Jonathan Reisman, R-E-I-S-M-A-N dot com. Um, and you're encouraged uh, to look at this unusual treatment of the human body. Um, it's a wonderfully written book. Thank you, Jonathan, for coming on. I should make sure everyone knows that Life's First Naturals 
is our sponsor. They're the makers of a product, Bovine Colostrum, that in randomized controlled trials has kept Italian soccer players playing all the time with less colds, less upper respiratory infections, and uh, marathoners as well as other athletes with less leaky gut um, and um, with other people getting uh, in randomized controlled trials benefits of um, decreased bloating and leaky gut. And the other product they have is True Biotics, now out in gummy form as a probiotic with two strains that are in adequate numbers to uh, help you um, from a probiotic standpoint. Uh, our guest again, The Unseen Body by Jonathan Reisman. Wonderful book. Um, I want to thank Caitlin for engineering as usual. Great job. Thank you, Caitlin. And thank you especially for downloading us. 50,000 of you a week can't all be wrong. So thanks very much. Do tell your friends about us and do feel free to rate us weekly. In fact, we encourage that. Feel free to send questions at questions at greatagereboot.com, questions at greatagereboot.com, or suggestions for guests to questions at greatagereboot.com. Thanks again. We'll be back next week.